welcome you to the Overtime Hockey Podcast, live from McCoy's Public House in St. Louis Park at Excelsior and Grand. I guess you can call it my home away from home. Bart Archer has some coffee. Do you need some? No, I'm good. Okay, we're all good here. Never enough, uh, but I'm good. Do you leave room for the coffee or do you go straight black coffee? I, it, it, I just adjust to the situation. Leave I room. I guess that's how we order it at Starbucks. That's what people do these days. I don't go to Starbucks, Pete Wagner. You, you, no. Oh, you go to Caribou. I don't go to... You go I to make Bart, my own. You go to Bart Archer's Kitchen. That's right. Okay, wonderful. Uh, by the way, I'd like to remind you that this uh, podcast is presented in part by American Family Insurance and, of course, Tradition Companies. You can check out Tradition at TraditionCo.com. If you've listened to anything that Bart Archer and I have done over the years and don't know who Tradition is, you're just not listening. <laughs> we can get why you're not listening. I get that. And then, of course, American Family Insurance. Uh, you can check them out. Uh, they protect what you've achieved so you can fiercely pursue your dreams, Bart. Sure, carefully, dream fearlessly. Find the support that you need right there at amfam.com. You can get hooked up with your local agent. They've been very involved in the communities, and we're going to be getting into that a little bit deeper uh, with what their outreach programs have been and uh, also the great insurance products that they provide. Before we get into the hockey world, uh, how about the Gopher football team yesterday? Well, it's been quite I a mean, weekend, obviously. Really? Uh, and everybody says the biggest game in their in their lifetimes. I think that it was the the greatest result, perhaps in my lifetime, anyway. But uh, but a great weekend overall. Well, what did you think of the football game? Uh, I I kind of fell into the old habits that PJ uh, would bring up as far as you know with with six minutes to go. Well, who and, wouldn't? Uh, right. But it's just we've been conditioned so, for so, so many. So I'm sitting years. there wishing I was in press row, right? <laughs> okay. So it's really easy to be cocky. I just did that little slurp just so people know we're really at the yeah, restaurant. Yeah, little ambience. Yeah, absolutely. No, but how, how would you, how would you, you know, what do you expect? Because we've watched this uh, script play over and over. You're going to run the clock. You're going to get them to burn their timeouts, get it with a little under six minutes left. I understand that. Uh, they're out gaining you 195 to 13 in the fourth quarter. They score. You go three and out. They get it back. And lo and behold, here we go. Uh, they get down to the two. Fortunately, there's that phantom, what I would call, interference call. Mm. It was legit. Yeah, I know, but you know, it's gutsy for the for the referee to call it. I know, I, I know, especially since it's Penn State. But <laughs> but anyway, but you know, so you said you got to remove the 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 demons of forty fifty years, and you got to do this. Well, no, we don't got to do anything. You got to you got to win that ball game for us to remove them. Because the truth is, is you are up to two to four yards away from you and I watching the same old shit over and over. Yeah, the thing that impressed me the but most. Good for them, they won. Absolutely, but the thing that impressed me, I think my takeaway from this game is is the game wasn't too big for them. I mean, they were ready to play. They came out with energy. They came out with focus, and they really kind of took it to Penn State early, and I think they set a, a tone, and the more success they had, the more confidence uh, began to grow, but Penn State is an awful good football team, so we expected a pushback, uh, but I think the Gophers, uh, it's going to have a lot of residual uh, value moving forward. It doesn't get any tougher. I mean, it doesn't get any easier moving forward, but uh, they're certainly poised, and, and enjoy the win while you can, but now it's time, as PJ says, get, uh, get focused to the Hawkeyes in Iowa. Absolutely. You have to move on to the next level. So now from a hockey perspective, uh, in this program, we're going to take a look at the Gophers weekend against the Michigan Wolverines. It turns up to be a shootout win for them and then a uh, outright win on Saturday. So what is that? Five big points that they capture out of that uh, weekend series in Ann Arbor, which was a big deal. And there's a couple of things about their play that, that I, I got I to throw out there, too. We'll get into that. We're going to hear from Billy Robertson, the commissioner of the WCHA. They've been in the news a lot lately. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we're going to talk about the seven teams that want to uh, do something different, where that stands, and what's moving forward for the the, uh, the longest-running Collegiate Hockey Association uh, conference in the country, one that I think needs to be preserved and saved for all of its 
uh, history. And then we're also going to check in. We're going to hear a couple of words uh, from the Andover Huskies after their big win against the Dyna Hornets, the one to nothing shutout that we uh, aired right on the MNHockey.tv. And then I thought the Sean Goldsworthy podcast was so good that we're going to uh, take his podcast and tack it on the end of this if you hadn't heard Goldie's podcast as well. It's a great season uh, preview for his Minnetonka Skippers. And then finally, we're going to start with this, though. Uh, the Minnesota Wild with a big win. Down 2 nothing on the road in Glendale. They come back and uh, defeat the um, Phoenix Coyotes by a score. Sorry, old school. Arizona Coyotes <laughs> by a score of 4-3. Uh, uh, Bart, uh, one thing that stood out to me, and I, I think Kevin Fiala has been a little bit of a whipping boy because of the Pez dispenser-like turnovers and things like that. But the way he played yesterday with his plus two and offensively, you know, the things that happened, if he just reminds me like a lot of not skill, not size, but Mike Madonna was kind of the same way. He played with a lot of pace early on in his career. Dial that back just to hear until you can grow back into the tempo you can play with so your decision-making matches your speed, hands, and feet. Well, in along with uh, the Fiala part of it, I think Madano had a little bit more, a longer leash, a little bit more patience uh, exhibited by the by coaching yeah, staff. Yeah, we number one overall. Absolutely. But I think Fiala got kind of put into a rotating uh, situation as far as a game day lineup. So I don't think he got his continuity. I don't think he got his confidence. But, yeah, it's not only the turnovers, but it's where he's turning it over and when he's turning it over was kind of the Achilles heel to it. But uh, that game last night gave him a little confidence, uh, put a little confidence in the coaches to put him out there in different situations. But I think this is there's going to be some growing pains with this wild team, no question. There's such a, a division between the ages of the older and the younger. But once they it's come together, big. it's going to be pretty. It's I going mean, to be a pretty good product. But some, I just think some they of got those some guys could do. almost be some of these younger guys' fathers. I, honestly, Bart Archer. I mean, it's like holy smokes. So so then when you take it a step further and you you say okay. Um, what we're here wow this food just got delivered to us <laughs> squirrel the uh, dog oh my word i mean this bowl you've got there is just more than i can handle but this is you know i always judge a good breakfast place on its uh, benny and just by all <clears throat> sight here we're good to go all right do we want to eat on the air or do we want to take a quick break let's take a quick break all right we'll take a quick break well bart archer's fully sleeping and taking a nap right now <laughs> and that was amazing what did you think would you come back oh absolutely I mean, nobody knows about it. They, they pretty much have been a, a lunch and a dinner place, good happy hour type spot. But oh. And the servings are robust as well. Normally I, mean, I can kind of clean my plate, but today I, I made a, you were taking a, a better back. decision. Well, that, that was a really <laughs> solid, solid Benny that I had. So anyway, the point I wanted to make, you know, to the wild is it's been interesting because we saw them play against the Edmonton Oilers at the time of the best team in the West. You know, awesome. Uh, with the game that the Wild played against them was perfect. It was completely disciplined. It incredible neutral zone play. They almost went into the form of the trap, as which I think they need to do because the one thing that I, you know, I know in the Chuck Fletcher era, what they tried to do is continually get faster. Yeah. And you hear that every year. That's 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 GM speak is you know getting younger or whatever. But um, they do feel significantly slower. And I don't think you need to be fast to win in this league. I think you need to be positionally sound and disciplined, no matter what your your group is and I think you have to take a look at what the group is so Bart for me you know you publicly hear one thing where they're a tweak away from a cup and that's just that's just a lie in my book it's not even close it's misleading well, I, I, I mean lies be a little aggressive but no, you know what I mean I, but I it's like, come on let's be honest here it's not close and it's been a first round ouster type team so I mean what, what do you think they are away? All right. You're going to have to give me a little bit of time on this one because we've been saying, talking about this for five years. But until this team gets a number one, a viable number one center, 
an aggressive physical defenseman and a good quality stopgap goaltender, they're not going to have success. It's going to be one and done or two and done at best case scenario. They almost need to bottom this thing out, and I'm being very... Uh, very out there a little bit on it, but they need a number one center. I think that's the most important thing. I love their defensive core. I think they have a lot of skill back there. I've never been sold on Devin Dubnik, even though I think he's a good goalie. Uh, But I just think that until we can match up against the McDavid's, the Bergeron's, those kind of things, uh, we keep trying to put Koivu uh, through his course of history with the Wild. We try to put him at number one when he would have been a great number two. And then when he's a solid number three, we put him at number two. So we miscast our best center. Eric Stahl is playing very, very well right now. He's awesome. playing inspired. He's, he's moving the puck like he is. He, would be, an ideal game, number, he would be an ideal number two center. But we still need that young gun, the big buck, uh, manning the middle. And that'll make everybody else a little bit better. Plus, we can match up better against teams. Until we do that, I think we're going to be struggling to... Uh, uh, for relevance. I'm going to say it for you. You said it uh, while we were eating breakfast. I said, what do you think? And you said, well, I think they're about three number one picks, top five picks away. And I, that's three years of being not great. And that's correct. I think, and then that led to this, this point of why I'm bringing this topic up is I think it comes more down to um, we're not dumb. You know, the hockey fan in Minnesota can see what they see. You, sure. you don't have to tell us what we already see and tell us it's something different because now we're being insulted. So, um, and yeah, I'm taking a shot at all of the broadcasts and things like that of selling hope. Don't sell hope. Sell the truth. Sell reality. um, Because you've got to manage expectations. And uh, the fans already know what that is. And uh, tickets are pretty readily available. You've got college night tickets, rush tickets, whatever you want to call them. Uh, I saw uh, season packs, which have never been done before. Um, This is not a rip to the organization at all. It's It's just seeing where it's at. And uh, the bottom line, Bart, is they were tied for last in the West. And there's a lot of teams there that they have to work their way over and through to get to where they need to go to. So to, to me, it's more insulting to, to try to fake us into believing, you know, as fans, that this is a viable product that's oh so close. Billy Guerin's got a huge job to do. He's got some wickedly nasty contracts that he's going to have to maneuver around. You know, on one night, it feels as though Zach Parisi looks like his old self. And on the other night, I mean, that guy has been really, he's played a very strong, aggressive and physical game his entire career. And you can tell his body is sore. I'm sure maybe he'd say today it's great, but the guy is grinding it. But at some point when you're 34, 35 years old, it's going to say no. And you're signed until you're 39, 40 years old. They've got a big problem there. With Ryan Suter, I mean, let's... You know, reducing his minutes from 28 to 32 a game, Bart, has been huge. You know, they're getting him more back in line with the group, and they're kind of playing everybody. So what are your thoughts on those two contracts? Really, at a point of game with Stahl, you're okay with that. Who knows what they're going to do with Koivu, but they've got some aged veterans that they've got to figure out with long-term deals what the heck they're going to do with. Well, I, I think the Parisi factor is, you're right, he did play a very aggressive physical game. He'd win battles along the wall. I don't see him winning those battles and anymore. And in front of the net. I don't see him winning those battles anymore. And that's not a, a, a knock against Zach because it seems like the effort is always indeed there, but it just seems like his effectiveness is starting to wane a little bit. And I don't think... A, uh, you know, I, I don't think Stahl's an issue. I don't think Koivu's an issue. I, I, I think the Suter thing, toning back his minutes, doesn't hurt. They have an ample. They have a really good uh, defensive core, and I love Where the way. Where are you at with Zucker? 
Uh, Zucker, I think that if he's engaged and he's team player, that he can be productive. Other than that, I think that he's probably, and I'm not trying to dangle him out as far as trade bait, but he might be a marketable item that might get us a draft pick that we need. If you look at Ottawa, Ottawa has probably six or seven or eight number uh, second round picks coming up. Would in they the trade next for a guy years. in his mid twenties? Well, they could know? use goal. I mean, they could use goal scoring up there. I'm not. I'm not in mind to push Zucker out of the roost. We need people that can finish plays. I just wish that either get a refraction or you get those those rocks out of his gloves because sometimes he, uh, <laughs> he well, gets some great opportunities. I, I think he's a very streaky scorer. Me too. And I think you know when he's on, he's on, and uh, I think that that leads to the word engage and those types of things. I th- so I think for me the thing that that stood out the most is I left that Edmonton game and I said, okay, this team can play this way and beat anybody in the league. It requires a lot of focus. It requires uh, everybody. Uh, sorry, PJ Fleck rowing the boat in the same direction. It requires buy-in to that. And then the next night, you go watch him play, and it's just horrible. It's like everybody's going straight freelancing, and they're playing their solos, and they're doing whatever they need to do. And it's obvious, and the defensive zone coverage is where it's the most magnified, where there's the breakdowns. I mean, you see some of those defensive zone breakdowns. It reminds me of circa 2010, 11, 12, or you know, in that era. Uh, leading up to the lockout where it was you were watching this go on and you're saying these are pro players that look like a squirting peewee team in their own zone and it's true and when they struggle it doesn't look pretty it's not very pleasing one thing I want to allude back to is I think the last six or seven minutes of the San Jose game in the third period I think the Wild played as as well as I think I've seen them play they had focus determination they didn't want to lose that game and they put forth the effort to be able to win that game I was very impressed with the final six minutes it was incredible I mean even you know the build up to that prior to that but the thing that's really interesting about that is okay if you're capable of doing it and you have to dig a hole down to China yeah. In order to climb back out of it, right. why do you need to dig the hole? Right. Uh, why do you need to have it the Edmonton Oilers? To I mean, you know, I, I don't get your pro athletes. I don't get this. We weren't ready to play tonight. You know that kind of things. What do you mean you're not ready? Yeah. That's what you do. Well, think that would that. be like you waking up for work and walking into work and saying, "I'm not ready to to check my email." I mean, what is that? <laughs> right. I still do. I, that's <laughs> but, my point. But you I've do. Had my, we call those Monday morning. But, but you check your email. That's your job. Okay. Right. So your job is to be ready to play hockey. But that's about, all you got to do. Think about How the hard challenge. Is that? Think about the challenge that Bruce Boudreau has. I think this is probably a dynamic in a locker room that he has probably had a oh, lot of experience with but that to get, guy. but to get everybody as you say the PJ Fleck rowing the boat being on the same page singing from the same hymnal whatever cliche you want to use I think that's that's a challenge this year because there's such a disparity between the age uh, with the veterans and the young kids uh, but if he can kind of get a handle on that a little bit and get everybody on the proverbial same page that I think this this team can do some good things but then we'll be mired in mediocrity we'll be in that 8th 9th 10th 12th overall pick in the draft and that doesn't make us any better well, it I've, never does I've said it all along it's what this team's been about you know and they came into this league, they're worried about not having fans attend the game. They had Jock Lemarin here, Doug Riseborough put together a nice club out of the expansion draft, tweaked it the way he needed to. Next thing you know, they're in a conference final. Only time this team's ever been there in 20 years. Uh, they've won one division title. You look at their contemporaries, such as uh, Nashville, yeah. and they've been absolutely terrific. You look at Winnipeg. they've Sustaining it, too. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. But David Poyle's a legend, and he's been the only man in that position. And uh, you know, there was, a, there was a period of time when the Nashville Predators were kind of teetering and you know, the 06, 07, 08, 09-ish era, 
Um, then they ended up getting out of the debt they were in, and next thing you know, they've become a very profitable, highly popular organization within that region, and it's, it's been impressive. So you look at that and you say, did they worry too much here in this market about not making the playoffs and pissing off the fan base? Yes, yes. But look and in at doing Win- so, they've pissed them off even worse. <laughs> but look at Winnipeg, look but at Nashville. But it's true. Look at Winnipeg and look at Nashville. They're not afraid to make changes to their roster. I mean, Winnipeg drafting or trading for Blake Wheeler, uh, Nashville trading for uh, Duchesne. I mean, these are guys in the middle that are actually relevant players that are upper echelon. They, you know, they got rid of Truba. Truba was one of their number one picks, but they had the guts to get rid of Truba and make some changes to move forward. I don't think we have that uh, in our. You can't be attached to too many of these picks and these players. Correct. And then you take a look at the uh, Colorado Avalanche. They weren't bad for that long. No. They really weren't. And they got good pretty quick, didn't That's they? That's my point. <laughs> and so so it's not like you have this bottoming out for like a decade. Some teams can't seem to get out of it. You know, the team that's intriguing me are the Detroit Red Wings. Ooh, are they bad. I mean. They have some skill in that team, But they'll be fine. But, right. but I mean, but, you know. They're when you taking look, their steps but, back. But, 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 I mean, they had 20 years of oh, insane success. Absolutely. absolutely. And uh, to see them in the bottom of those Eastern Conference standings, it's. You know, it's a little pain for a lot of gain, and I think Minnesota needs to do it. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to admit it, but I do think that's the reality of where that franchise is. Final thoughts? Final thoughts is is uh, I'm not, you know, condemning the team or saying that they're a non-playoff team. I just think that it's, it, we're kind of in that in that gray area that we've been in for 20 years. At least with the Jock Lemaire team, you knew the product on the ice when you went there. You didn't always think you were going to win, but you always had a chance to win because of the effort, the determination, and the structure of their game. I think now we're a little bit too freelance. I think Bruce has got to kind of give them a little bit better plan, get them a little bit better prepared, but we have good pieces in place. We just don't have that playoff push pieces in place, and we have to address that. And I was suggesting that this team wouldn't be much different than the Colorado Avalanche in its turnaround with the ability and the pieces that they have. There's definitely a lot of good here. It's just a matter of acknowledging, admitting that maybe it's not what you think it is at this stage of the game, but in two, three years it could be. Well, quick thing, quick thing. Colorado, you know who, who the players are focused on. You know who the players, Landeskog, McKinnon, and uh, Rannon. But if you play against the Wild, who do you focus on? I mean, who, who, you, who, you afraid who are you afraid of? of? Nobody. Eric Stahl. I mean, he's a point of game. I, mean, uh, I agree with that. But point of game is, is in a In today's good world, that's like a point and a half a game. Absolutely. As opposed to, to back in the day. When the goalies were shitty. But does he really instill that kind of fear where you have to game plan a uh, against a player like that? We don't have that player. Dumba could be that player, but it just seems like he's a little slow out of the gate and trying a little too hard. I said the goalies were shitty. For Don Beaupre, I didn't mean that. No. Sorry. Uh, no, he was probably one of the better I'm being funny. But for his, Pete Peters. But the gear was so bad, they had no chance. I mean, it was, it was a joke. So anyway, so we're going to transition now, Bart. Let's uh, let's take a quick uh, jump over to our interview with the WCHA Commissioner, Billy Robertson. And when we come back after that one, we're going to talk about the Golden Gopher hockey team for a bit. The Overtime Hockey Podcast continues. Billy Robertson, up next. Well, we just came off a very spirited, problem-solving mission with your former employer. We're speaking, of course, to Mr. Bill uh, Robertson of the WCHA. He is the commissioner of the Storied League, which is the longest-running collegiate hockey league in the United States of America. And uh, I will I will uh, not ask you to uh, comment on your former employer's status on ice. You can refrain for sure. 
Because I know you will. Are we talking about the Minnesota Wild? Of course, of course. No, the Ducks. No, no. Watching them uh, over the last few games, I know they've struggled on the road, and and I hope they can get back to winning ways. I do like the direction they are going, though, with their new general manager, Bill Guerin, who I worked with in the 2002 and 2006 Olympics with Team USA. I think he, he, over time, will do a very good job and and put, put that organization back on track. Just one minor nugget here. One thing that I was saying and noticing is, is if you see the way they played against the Edmonton Oilers, they've had you know moments of putting three periods together of very disciplined three-zone hockey. The thing is, is they're capable of doing it, but it requires a lot of work. And when they don't do it, it makes those in the stands look at it and wonder, why not? Well, that's a great question. I mean, you you wonder why like one night they can play like world beaters and the next night uh, there's there's problems. I think, you know, more than anything, what Bill is doing right now is evaluating the talent. And over the course of the next year, I see that they will most likely make some moves to to make themselves younger franchise on the ice and uh, to give themselves a chance to make the playoffs. Because as you know, Pete, if you can get to the playoffs, anything can happen. And it's been proven year in and year out in the National Hockey League that uh, finishing eighth uh, is almost as good as finishing two or three nowadays. Uh, home ice advantage is an important factor, but getting to the playoffs is the most important thing, and I do think he'll bring them back. Okay, we'll uh, hold you to that. Let's turn our attentions now to your uh, conference, the WCHA. Uh, we're what, a couple, few weeks in now. Each team looks like they've played uh, eight or so games at least on the on the docket, and of course, you had a great season last year. Uh, you're off again to another great season this year. I think what you had two teams in the NCAA tournament last year, and I think we were speaking earlier this week about really liking to see maybe a potential for three. Do you think that's a realistic goal for this uh, conference? Well, I know that having two teams in is a realistic for sure. Getting a third team in requires uh, somebody to win at least like 22 games overall, and I do believe we have the ability to do that. I mean, I look right now at where we're at after a month into the season, and, and Minnesota State uh, certainly, who is ranked number two in the country, look, looks like one of the better teams, uh, and they have a lot of talent that came back this year. But I look at Bowling Green, I look at Northern Michigan, and Michigan Tech, and, and Bemidji State as teams that all could potentially be that third team. Well, you put to, Bemidji State in there? Yeah, Bemidji State, I, I do What's think. What's going on there? Well, I, I like the way Tom Serratori coaches, and I believe after seeing them play against St. Cloud a couple of weeks ago, uh, they played extremely well, and I do believe they have a chance uh, in particular because they play a defensive style of game. They're going to keep every game close, and if they can get some goals and get some good goaltending, they may be a surprise team. And then in terms of uh, looking to the uh, newsworthy sides of things, you know, let's be honest, there's been a little bit of news in the WCHA and, and what's what's kind of floating around it. Business as usual is what you're uh, basically saying here. And I know there's only so many things you can say, but can you kind of update everybody on where things stand? Yeah, well, I would say that more than anything, you know, we are prepared for this year and working with all 10 of our institutions. Uh, seven are exploring a new option for a new league. We don't know where that stands at this point, but we do know that we have a very good, rich tradition league uh, that's going to compete. And I look at it as it's business moving forward for this conference versus business as oh. usual or, or business yeah. 
passed. Um, and we have to care about all 10 of our teams at this point and make sure we do the very best we can from the conference office perspective. And it's my job as commissioner to be great ambassadors of the game of college hockey. Is it fair to say that uh, it's not a good idea to come to conclusions about one would think of what will occur within the next two years because it's up in the air? Well, I, I think there's a lot that can still happen. It's still 18, 19 months away from that point. point. So a lot can happen. And there's been a lot of discussions about uh, this league. And, and I hope that we can keep the WCHA, the league, the conference itself intact for many, many years to come. Let's talk about flowhockey.tv. How, how important have they been to your uh, business moving forward approach? Well, I think a lot of people look at Flow Sports uh, as just a streaming product, but they're more of a marketing arm for the WCHA. And they're based out of Austin, Texas, and, and we've been with them now over a year. They've been a great partner, uh, to say the least. Uh, and I think what they've, what they've done for us is give us a lot of added promotion uh, both on the social media perspective and the editorial side, and, and that's a big plus for our league. Plus, they, they've been, a fin- from a financial perspective, they've been a wonderful partner, and they get it, and they understand that we're trying to promote college hockey. They also work with the Big Ten, and they also work with Atlantic Hockey, so they're very familiar with co- the, the college realm and, and how to a- advance it and from a promotional perspective. Well, it certainly feels like there's a tempo to coverage where they're not newbies to uh, the world, and it's good to have people that are immersed within the brand, which would be college hockey. Um, when you look at what you do and what conference needs and, and all the needs of these teams are from their travel arrangements to, you know, what the ice is and, you know, so forth and so on, what are some of the things that would be really interesting for someone to hear that goes on behind the scenes inside these college hockey conferences that maybe they wouldn't know? Well, I think one of the things that people don't realize is how challenging it is to put together a schedule when you have – 10 schools sending you dates that they can't play games, they have academic needs, and then you try to put that and flush that together, um, it's very, very challenging. And that takes many months to put together an actual schedule. Do you have a scheduler? or how do We you have do that? someone that helps us uh, with scheduling. He's based on the East Coast, but predominantly it comes back to the conference office to have to put that together. I always say to people when they ask about what is the job of the conference office and Basically, you know, it's about this great staff that we have, but it's 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 really you're a master of many things, and you have to know a little of everything. And that's what I say. What what, what happens? There's sponsorship. There's community activities. There's promotion. There's operations. There's getting logistics ready for your uh, playoffs. There's logos development. All sorts of different things that not many people think about when you think of a conference office. So. In terms of when you when you, when you get to the on ice product with these teams, how engaged are you with each and every one of these clubs? They've got some really great players, and the media releases that come out for all of us to see are very rich in content and information. Um, but who knows how much of that is shared because of space and time and whatnot? How do you guys go about communicating? You know, we've got a guy sitting at. Uh, Bowling Green right now, three guys, blah, 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 blah. How do you really promote your players, and does that help them for the next level? Well, I think part of it is our communication with our our media, but also with flow to help spread the news Mm -hmm. about two or three players at Minnesota State or Bowling Green or Fairbanks that are doing really well. And we take great pride in the fact that 
we have many players that are currently playing in the National Hockey League uh, uh, this year. Uh, 14 started on the uh, the roster, and that's grown since that time. So I look at it as our job is to promote the student-athletes, but also promote the, the great environment and experience of participating in the WCHA, and then hopefully our playoffs and our championship. In terms of college hockey, do you see a difference in stylistic uh, play between the conferences and if they stand out what are some of the differences that you've noticed well, that's a great question I think there are differences I, I do think that the game is called for, on an on ice perspective a little bit differently in the east versus the west I think the west uh, 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 lets the players play a little more than they do in the east uh, east is is tightly uh, officiated and versus the the thought process is to open it up and let the players play the game. And it's no coincidence that all three conferences in the West are doing um, uh, pass five on five. They're doing three on three and then also a a shootout if you need to get to that point. So I think that's another whole piece to this is I look at our games and and, uh, I want to walk away knowing there's a winner uh, and uh, there's a conclusion to the game. And I think you and I have talked about this before, how important it is to fans. Um, but not everybody does that. And I think that's a big big piece of what college hockey needs to figure out is getting everybody under the same rules and under the same guidance. And if that can ever happen, and I do believe it's going to happen within the next couple of years that everybody will be playing under the same rules. Well, that's a really interesting point because I've always observed that as it seems like it's almost an afterthought. You know, nobody really thought it through because either they ended in a tie way, way back or there'd be a five-minute overtime and then it would end. Uh, and then there was the advent of the shootouts and some of those things or different numbers of players. However, when you go to college football, it's the same college rules for overtime. It, it, Put it on the, what is it, the 25 and go get them. Yeah, it is. I just watched the uh, end of a college football game a few weeks ago. I think it was Virginia Tech in North Carolina that went like six overtimes and the rules changed a little bit. Um, they the announcers try to keep up with what happens after four overtimes. They move the ball closer to the goal line so they can get a quicker conclusion to the game. But I, I do believe that it needs to happen for the good of the game because I think there's some confusion out there of what happens. And then right now in the non-conference, when our WCHA institutions play teams from other conferences, it ends in a tie if it's if it's 60 minutes of uh uh, regulation play and then five minutes overtime, then it becomes a tie. And I just don't like t- to see that. So if it could be uniform, that'd be huge for all of college I hockey, do, I no do. question. I think, it, I think it would change a lot, a lot of the perspective from fans. If I were a observer of the Western Collegiate Hockey Association and I came up to you and said, you know, Bill, if I'm going to go watch uh, Ferris State take on Lake State tonight, just a random game in the conference, what is a typical WCHA conference game look like to you? Well, I would say this, that uh, uh, one of the things I, I notice is that there is a lot of collisions in our game, more than I ever thought. Coming. Physical. Yes. And I don't mean fighting. I'm talking about uh, hard checks um, and delivering, you know, uh, body checks that, that are impactful to a game. What I what I notice is our since I've come into the league, uh, our scoring has gone up some, but traditionally we've been a low scoring league, and and you have a lot of 
to your point, two to one, three to two, four to three games versus seven to one, six to two, those type of games. And that's what's so interesting about this conference is that uh, you can't, you know, a, a team will go to Anchorage or Fairbanks or go to Northern Michigan and the game is going to be called, as I said earlier, the same way. And that's what makes uh, these games so close. And the, and the difference between a win and a loss is there's a, a razor edge on that. And I think that's what really makes the league so interesting. Final question for you here. If we were to pull the fairy dust out and you can sprinkle it over the Western Collegiate Hockey Association and you're granted any wish by the man behind the curtain, what would that be? Well, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of things I would wish for for the league. I, I'm... I would hope that potentially we could get all 10 teams on the same page and, and uh, for this league to go on forever. But if you're asking me for one thing, I think the WCHA will be in existence in two years, uh, whatever format that looks like. Uh, but I think it's um, a league that has the most unique history of any of the six Division One college hockey conferences. It has had more Hobie Baker winners has had more uh, Stanley Cup players and has had has more national championships than any conference in college hockey. I'd like to see that continue for many, many years to come. Oh, it's really interesting just to dovetail that. That was a nice conclusion there. When you look at this group of teams and how it was when the whole thing broke out with the breakout of the Big Ten and then the NCHC and then you know what, what was put together for the WCHA with these 10 teams, they are now making their own history and their own legacy. And over the past four or five years, each year it's kind of crescendoing. And I've been enjoying uh, observing it as a hockey fan. And credit to all these coaches, administrators, uh, players, recruits, they're making their own stories. And and I know that just from your media releases, all you got to do is read them. There's some really incredible things going on. There are. And I think one of the things you see uh, is that we have great coaches, top to bottom, Uh, elder statesmen in, in Bob Daniels at Ferris State, and you have a young, up-and-coming, rising star in Grant Patoni at Northern Michigan. Those are great coaches, and they have a lot to offer. I'm not saying others don't, but we have some really, really good people that care about these kids and want to see them succeed, both in the classroom, because the idea here is they're in college, is that they graduate. Oh, yeah, that's right. They go to college and, and get their education, which I believe is really an 100%. important piece and then also get a great quality experience on the ice. Whether they end up playing professionally or not, that's just uh, uh, that's just the gravy on top of the mashed potatoes, if, Ooh, that, if that happens. Count me in. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's fun. This is a labor of love for me, and I hope this league continues for many years to come. You're a good man. You've run an incredible league. Everybody knows it. Uh, they're in good hands here. And, uh, by the way, uh, we have some bonus coverage coming up here on the uh, Overtime Hockey Podcast. Our guy Goldie is going to join us in our next segment, and he's all fired up for the upcoming season. Awesome. I look forward to that. Always a great man, Billy Robertson. Great interview, and we're back once again. And as I mentioned, we are going to be now taking... Uh, well, I was going to say we're going to take a look at Goldie's podcast, but we're not going to do that. That's going to be the caboose, because that's already been out right. there, gaining plenty of listens. Everybody loves him, and he's great. So we're going to keep it here, Bart. Now, from the Golden Gopher perspective uh, for hockey, I think it's been interesting because he had an underage guy in Brinkman back there on that blue line last year, and it could have been argued that he might have been their best defenseman and he would have just been a senior in high school right. uh, at that time. Uh, I've been very intrigued and uh, pleased with Tyler Nanny's play. I Me think too. he's looking really good. Me too. He, yeah, very controlled. 
which is a little unusual, and I mean that in the nicest way. He's playing a mature game back there. He's playing within himself. To the point where I was looking at him going, well, he's going to play pro at some level with what I saw of how he handled himself. His skating is really good. But he's a leader back there, and I think it's all kind of coming together. The blue line was a little bit of a struggle last year, but I think he's... Well, I'm just (laughs) trying to be nice. They're college kids. I hear you. The pros you can go after. Right. Uh, But but uh, he's been a glue, I think, to that group. Brinkman gets better and better. I I like what I'm seeing there. I actually do, too. Uh, I think putting the C on on Tyler Nanny was not a bad thing. I think it kind of grounded him a little bit, let him know that he is a player of responsibility and a player of focus. Uh, but I think it has changed his his game a little bit. He's playing more within himself. I saw him dive head first in front of a shot with two minutes to go with a one goal like lead. Like his grandpa. Like his. <laughs> you are correct. Uh, I, I remember seeing Louis do that stuff. But uh, but Tyler, he's he's ramped up his game quite a bit. But but I think a lot of the the focus on the golfers is last year. I think they were kind of doing a, a get to know each other, and they were very very young. This year they're they're still very young, but they have a little maturity and a little poise. But they're they have a tremendous stick skill up front. They're in the defensive zone. They're winning battles along the walls. They're getting out of their zone with some efficiency, and they're not looking to just shoot the puck off the dasher and out. They're actually possessing the puck, and they're coming in with speed, and they're funneling to the net, which is something that I think that they may have not had the opportunity last year, but they're making those you know, opportunities with, happen. With so all those things, things are moving better. Sorry about that, Bart. With all those things that you brought up, um, it's clear to see that those are becoming more effortless and less than a thought process for this group a year right. later. And uh, it's definitely the Motsko way is starting to uh, to sink in with this group. And as each kid matures, that's what happens. But I think it's really interesting when you get to a college program how important it is uh, for veteran leadership and age. And, you know, in the previous years... Under the Lucia regime, it was uh, first-round draft picks all over the place who leave after their freshman year because yeah. they're going to go sign or right. sophomore. Well, why would so they there's stay? no continuity. There's no leadership. Uh, you know, a guy like Carson Soucy, there's a great example, and he's up at UMD. Terrific defenseman. Look at him. He's now on the show right now. But I he, like his game, he, too. He, you know, or, uh, or Fontaine, remember him? Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing. He played all the way through. He was like a 28-year-old rookie. Not really, about 25, 26-year-old right. rookie, a free agent. There's something to be said about that, and I think continuity in years uh, really can help. You know, you can't help but bring up the obvious topic in Sam Walker where, you know, I don't think he's going to be here next year. I don't see it. I mean, I, 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 I think he's ready. Pretty darn close. I, I uh, skill-wise, maturity-wise, he just does so much for this uh, team. But he changes the dynamic and how they defend against us. So if he left, obviously it's going to put them back. But they have a, a lot of young kids coming in for next year that might be able to take the mantle. Obviously being young, but if Walker left, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be a little disappointed because uh, one more year I think would benefit him pretty well. Maybe and, he does a junior year would be yep. great. But can you imagine him as a junior with with <clears throat> the older freshman coming in now? Absolutely. Where you now you got to play junior. It doesn't matter. You know, Jack Jensen, those kinds of guys that come in now that are... Hugland, uh, uh, McGregor, Middlestat, Nevers. I mean, there's a host of young, talented kids coming in. That are all ready to go. They're all ready to go. But I think that, you know, my gut feel would be, why wouldn't you take the opportunity? I'm I'm sure it's been his goal to play uh, professional hockey, but, you know, you only have one shot. Sammy. Say it again. Walker? Yeah. Sammy. All I said was Walker. You said Ben. Did I really? Yeah. Well, at yeah. least I didn't say Jack, I guess. I know. I... <laughs> <laughs> but the Walker family should get complimentary senior, memberships senior to Edina, Braemar, and Interlock for what and they've uh, contributed That's to Edina. Awesome. But uh, I love watching uh, the Walkers play, uh, regardless of who it is. But uh, Sammy obviously is a different level. 
Definitely. So the Gophers, a, a big sweep in Michigan. And, I, you know, I mean, I, it's not that like they're beating the top-ranked team in the country or anything like that, but those were games where you would see maybe something bad happen last year and you walk out of there and you go, oh, man, here we go again. And, you know, to, to continue the momentum in the Big Ten play, you know, really all you got to do is to help advance your program is win that Big Ten, win that Big Ten playoff, and get mm-hmm. into the tournament. Forget about the at-large stuff. That'll take care of itself. But if they can do that, you got Notre Dame that's coming there. It's a lot better. Wisconsin's looking very, very plucky. They haven't they're they're hasn't away. shown the standing yet, but no, the, they're but moving the right direction. You know, they're fun in to watch. January, February, do you really want to play them? If no. they, you know, I mean, they're a year away. But you know, so it's not. And Penn State, I mean, uh, Penn State's how about pretty them? incredible. Absolutely. Penn State, Ohio State's been very uh, tricky too, as well. So I think the quality of play overall in the Big Ten has improved over the past two years. Uh, big time, and I think adding Notre Dame has helped up it. Oh, me, I agree. Big time, absolutely agree. So that that's been an absolute solid. But the thing about the Big Ten is, is it seems like there's getting to be a, a little bit more of an emotional tug every year. People are getting a little bit more invested every year. Obviously, they still uh, get a tear in their eye about the WCHA, and I'm one of those as well. I mean, I love the the interstate uh, rivalries and the North Dakotas and stuff, but it's a it's a new era. But I think people are starting to kind of get a little bit better flavor for what yeah. the Big Ten offers, and there are some good quality teams in the Big Ten, no question you about know, Bart, it. My, Starting to get some traction. My, my take on the WCHA is it's in the rearview mirror. Do we want it back? It Absolutely. It has to be, and you have no choice. And um, you, I think having Penn State, though, really elevate their game to an upper echelon team gives a lot of credibility to the league. Mel Pearson will get it done at Michigan. There's no question. Your boy. Your boy. But he'll give them credibility at, at, at Michigan. What Michigan State's going to do and how that's going to be. Ohio State's under great leadership. Wisconsin's getting better. Minnesota, obviously, is Minnesota. So I think the goal for the league is it's not about the Gophers. To me, it was more about the league mm-hmm. and its credibility because mm-hmm. that was some brutal puck going on, not just with the Gophers, but with everybody. There were some bad teams in there. Well, and it didn't do anything to kind of scratch the emotional itch, you know, and that's where that's where people get vested is when the emotion becomes into it. But if there's nothing to get emotional about, people are going to observe, we, but they're not going to get convicted. Fans get emotional about good play. Right on. And when the Absolutely. CCHA and its, its rivalries and the WCHA and its rivalries and the competitive recruiting against each other was – caved in and broken down into the money-making Big Ten. All those teams suffered, but now, give them credit, they're starting to rebuild. And right. you know, But tip of the cap to Penn State, so I, I needed to get that out. Let's transition now to uh, the upcoming season with the MN uh, Hockey.TV, where this uh, podcast will reside as well, and uh, it's a big part of what we do, Bart. Um, you know, this is um, this is a season that we have never seen before with what we've got going. 143 games will be live streaming of boys and girls high school hockey on our platform. Sounds like a lot. Uh, it is a lot. I've never done that many. I mean, I might have peaked out at 90 back in the My Fox Hockey. Maybe 50. Uh, last year was in the 90s. Um, on our docket this year, we've got uh, Benel St. Margaret's boys and girls. We've got Eden Prairie boys. We've got Minnetonka boys. Edina boys and girls. The Academy of Holy Angels boys and girls uh, in a, a select group of games that we're doing for them. And then in addition, we've got uh, these, the North-South Classic, 
which will feature Brainerd, Hermantown, Eden Prairie, and Benilde St. Margaret. So, yes, you will get to see the one and two teams on full display and a top Class A power That's in Hermantown. Intriguing. And then Dave Oss is always gritty <clears throat> Brainerd Warriors. Uh, that'll be coming up in early December, coming right out of the shoot. Our first game is going to be a Section 6 AA matchup for the ages, Edina at the rec center against the Red Knights. Well, and they, they actually met in, in sections last year. They went to the to the west rink, or the east rink as opposed to the west, but this one's going to be in the west rink. But Edina kind of had their way, but you could see the skill uh, in the Benilde St. Marker team. Now they have a year of experience under their belts. Everybody, uh, they have a lot of leaders. In fact, uh, this Benilde team is going to be one to pay particular focus to uh, because they have a lot of skill. They're fun to watch, and they have probably one of the best goaltenders in the state. Uh, they do, um, and Carson was amazing in that All-Star game yesterday. In fact, I had the referee Jim Carroll give me a call and say, tell me about this lime sand guy over at Benel. He was unreal. So um, he's good. He's healthy. Uh, all of the uh, talk out on the, the scuttlebutt message board stuff was that he was done for the year because he stepped out of the Elite League. He had a tweak. Didn't want to hurt it worse. He's going after it with the Red Knights. They're going to be really good. Edina. You know, people are kind of getting into them, saying who's going to put the puck in the net. I get that. Especially my guy Jeff Ridley called it out on a Facebook post to me. And I said, yeah, but those they were peewees when you had them. And, you know, these are high school players. Now they're going to score dirty, greasy, gritty goals. And they've got the goaltender. Uh, now I'm hearing that Boltman is back. Jake Boltman is back in the That's roster. So the uh, he decided against staying. He's doing first and last, first 10, last 10 with uh, the Ushel. So uh, he's back to that. And that's why I put them in at number five because – you know, you don't have a Bantam Double A team that finishes second in the state. If any other city had a team that finished second in the state, and, oh, oh, they're so good. Right. They'll look at them. Oh, they're loaded. Okay, but when they when they die, it's like eh, just don't. Those guys, there would be like two or three guys maybe that make the roster, right? Yeah. So if those guys aren't good enough to make this roster, how good is this roster? <laughs> Stop. You know, just get over yourselves. So I think they're going to be good. Um, oh, we're also going to have the Dino Holiday Classic, and watch out for the Thunderhawks of Grand Rapids. Absolutely. In fact, they're, they're, young they're and retooled good. right on. Oh, retooled. But just to give a little backstory, and Jeff Ridley, I, I know of him because uh, he was kind of in my same era. He was a <laughs> He's wonderful, my boy. He was a wonderful player back in the day. He was one of the really uh, focused players for uh, the Dino West Cougars, and he's been in the Dino program for a long time. So he, he is a voice of, of uh, knowledge, uh, so to speak. But I kind of migrate toward where you were. If you remember back in the Big Five where Edina had the the Connor Gerders, the, the Marshall Eversons, the Honors Lee, uh, um, Matt the Nelson. The Fab Five. The Fab Five. And uh, who's the other defenseman? Parker Reno. Regan. Regan. Okay. They, they were... Everybody said that they're going to win the state tournament. They didn't win it that year. But what happened the following year? Well, everybody thought they were going to win it their sophomore, junior, and senior years. Correct. But what happened after that? The, uh, after the, the uh, Fab Five Michael, graduated? The Michael Sitlet edition won the title. Won the title. Why? Because everybody else got invested. Instead of just worrying well, about making sure the top five got their ice time, everybody's so invested. Everybody has to play. This is what I say the Minnetonka skippers are because these guys all lived in that shadow. They got a good leader in Teddy Lagerback who's going to – I have a monster year, I, I think, this year. I He's agree. poised and ready to go. He's fun so, to watch, too. For sure. He plays an old-school game, really, and that's why I like him. He plays like he's in the 80s, which is wonderful. The- but you look at that team, and you say, okay, how are these guys any different than the ones that had all the expectations on them? And those are the ones that usually break through because they're practicing with those Correct. guys. They're watching their example. They're understanding what it takes to 
uh, execute and elevate at the next levels, and they move it up. Also, very impressive, they're going to have not one, but two JV teams this year. Oh, so the numbers are... are a JV1, a JV2, and the second JV team is going to play a Class A schedule, and what it really meant for Sean Goldsworthy, and you'll hear it in the pod when we put him on at the end of this, what it really meant is he wanted to um, give these... Yeah, keep the kids in the system. Sure. You know, there's no reason to give up on players. They had too many players, and and you know what? Some of those guys it's a might tough break situation through. to be in. Huh? Well, it's good. You know, I mean, so <laughs> so again, if you've got the depth to have a second JV team, I don't care what anybody says. It's your. I mean, you you've got some some things to go on there. So the Don Holiday Classic Thunderhawks are loaded. Uh, we know EP. They had possibly the best uh, free agent class in the <laughs> history of high school hockey. I mean, it's unbelievable what came in there. So. Uh, already a team that was uh, considered to be a top five contender. Well, and I, and I now, agree with that. But, but just because you bring in the players doesn't mean that it always uh, is a bastion for success. That's but if you, job. But if, but if you look at the coaching staff on that to team, uh, they, they will get them poison ready. But they're certainly going to be a, a favorite going into the year to uh, be represented down in the XL. We're also going to be bringing to you the uh, Catholic uh, high school. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It was the American Family Insurance North-South Classic. Mm-hmm. Yours truly got that sponsorship. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Do you got the sling? Did say it again? I just sprayed my shoulder. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> Medical uh, attention's yeah, on the way. Okay. <laughs> the same weekend as the Edina Holiday Classic, <laughs> on that Saturday, we're going to be running four games from the Tria Rink in St. Paul, featuring uh, eight high-end Catholic high school hockey teams playing under one roof called the American Family Insurance uh, Catholic Hockey Showcase. Uh, don't worry, Matt Harrington's going to be hunkering down on that one. Bart's checking his schedule in full panic. Well, I think mode. I signed up for the Holy Angels game. Uh, oh, you can do one. the morning games, yeah. Yeah, yeah we will we'll do it together. And do it, yeah, uh, yeah, I was going to do the first two. I'm and just then trying to figure out who Matty Harrington, uh, my daughter Callie Wagner, will be uh, managing the uh, tournament action That's there. That's awesome. Or all of our vendor stuff. And uh, Natalie Stevens, who's just joined on the uh, MNHockey.tv family, will be running the Edina deal. And, oh, by the way, our guy Patrick Lilia is going to be over in Minnetonka calling a game. You, so, I mean, <laughs> it's just it's just going to be an awesome, awesome weekend. So we'll be doing that as well. And then don't forget, we have the Tradition in the Park Holiday mm-hmm. Classic, uh, which is going to feature eight teams at the St. Louis Park Rec Center and then eight teams going on at the same time over at the Plymouth Ice Center. Dude, that is, like, insane. And we're man, we're doing it all. Well, the, the challenge that I have is some of those games are at eleven uh, in the morning, and you don't need to be and, there. And I don't think I can, I'll even though Freddie I want to be. But, sit in, but I'll that's have really all. a fun tournament because you get such a cross section of different teams, and now it's in a couple different locations. It's just it's a little something for everybody. You're, but that's going to be a great, a, great you're a big shot now at Luther Automotive, aren't you? Well, I, no, I'm a little big you, shot. You're in the ivory tower. You're in the main <laughs> office. I would love to have another water. Thank you. Uh, what's your name? So I can give you some props here. Our wait, first name. Emily, our waitress, doing an awesome job. Yes. Keeping us very happy here. Please. Thank you, Emily. I love water. <laughs> get her in the mix. Well, you she was a little mix. shy. Yeah, she, I, you got I, some blood I, in her cheeks on that one. Put her on the spot. Yes, you did. Um, You're good at that. Uh-huh. That's my middle name. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Amongst I a, many others. I got a good story offline for you, which will be a, a beauty uh, worth hearing in, th- in that regard. So, so that's that's a look at what we've got. We've got all of these games. You and I are going to do more. We're not going to do really a preview here, but I think it's really important for us to get it out there with what we're doing and the number of games we're doing and and how we're doing. We're doing a lot of program books and games. And then I also have to mention that we have our MNHockey.tv Arena package, which is available 
where we are installed or installing in the Plymouth Ice Center, Hopkins Pavilion, St. Louis Park Rec Center. We're going to be jumping into Pagel Activity Center here real shortly. Uh, the New Hope Ice Arena, hopefully we can get that one finished off. Rozo. Um, and then uh, we're working on a couple of others. So, I mean, that's for the calendar year of 2019. That's so crazy. the whole point of the MNHockey.tv is to become the one space where you can get all your information, Bart. And we're going to start doing articles. We're going to start doing uh, live scoring of all of our games that we're covering and all the teams that are part of our program. So if you're United Girls, you're having an away game, we're going to have all your games scored. We have the headshots for the players in there. We're going to do it right. Um, and if you want to be a part of the MNHockey.tv or high school, uh, you can reach out to me, Pete, at MNHockey.tv. Please do. Follow me at the Wagon Train 27 uh, Or follow, please do follow us on Twitter uh, at MNHockeyTV, and uh, we can get all the information disseminated to you to get you to be a part of this. So, you know, what do you think, man? I mean, there's a lot going on here. And don't be afraid to retweet either, by the way, please. Uh, but yeah, no, all in, about in impressions, fact, baby. every year it seems like... Uh, you know the expansion's going on, but it's but it's really uh, exciting for everybody involved. I mean, you're getting more people into the mix because high school hockey people are very passionate about it. They want to be involved. It's wild, and, and it's it's what I think you envisioned many years ago. And we're starting to kind of get a little. Uh, you're starting to get a little reward for your very hard work. I mean, well, uh, I, as it stands. But what are we doing this for? It's I got, to expose the the brand, and you've done a great job of that. Thank you, Bart. And I got to mention this. I got a business partner that's come in here, and I don't know if I can mention his name or not. I'm not. Gonna until I talk to him, but he's been huge in really bringing it over to the next level, which is really allowing us to do the things we need to do in terms of, you know, I, I've got the high school streaming side of things, but to be able to really go in and get the youth, and then, you know, we also have agreed to terms with Minnesota Hockey, where we're going to be streaming all of their, uh, the, now the contracts are being written up, but we've agreed, um, Minnesota Hockey doing uh, all of their state youth tournaments, regional tournaments, HP program, uh, all of that stuff going on uh, in the Tier 1 League and a couple of select tournaments. Our first event that we're streaming, and I'm very excited to be doing this, is we're setting up two cameras at the XL Energy Center. There's going to be a Mike Jamboree. Oh, look that, out. that we're doing free as just sort of our welcome to sure. the free view. Sure. Welcome to our uh, deal here with Minnesota Hockey. Just and wet the appetite. Uh, yeah, and that's going to be a long-term deal. And, um, you know, it has been a vision of, of, of what I've wanted to do. And um, I... I am really excited about the level of things we're doing, but there's something about high school hockey that rings true more than anything you can possibly imagine. And, and, and in your world, Bart, what is your favorite part about the high school game, and why do you keep coming back year after year to, to see all these games and talk about them? Well, the emotional investment, I think, is the most important part. You see everybody in the stands. And they might not even have a, a child in the program, but they but it just it, it peaks the emotions. It, it kind of gets the interest going. But uh, it's your it's your community. Now, I grew up in Edina. I've always been a, an Edina Hornet fan uh, ever since Moby Dick was a man. Why would but, you point that out? But, well, my point being is I've always appreciated Rosso. I've always had an affinity for Grand Rapids, Elk River, uh, Duluth East. So it's not just my community. It, it reaches beyond that because I think if Rosso's good, Grand Rapids is good, Moorhead's good, Duluth East is good, that's good for Minnesota hockey. If we can get uh, Rochester to condense down into a couple teams and get them back and relevant again. But I just think that when hockey is good all over the state, it's fabulous for high school hockey and more people get invested and they see the product. It's my favorite level. Do you know why I do it is because um – I don't remember if it was John Millay, I think it was John Millay or Tim Layton, one of the two from the high school league, the MSHSL, great guys, the, the, the best run high school league in Minnesota, bar none. 
one of those two had said, you know, the reason I love covering high school and they cover pro and all mm-hmm. the other stuff is that when you go down to that locker room, there's 15 to 20 different unique stories that can be and need to be told. So I've got a whole list of feature stories on kids, players, and things that you don't even know that are going to be coming out uh, on, on this platform this year, which is a little bit different than just, you know, to me, I think it's really easy to sit there and, and cherry pick guys who are 10 and say, oh, look at this guy. He's awesome. I'm going to put him on my prospect list. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're happy for you. Good for uh, you. Now he's 12, and now he's 14. Parents are all over it. Um, I think what's what's more important is what the aspect of the team game does for players, not about the individuals, but the players. And I, I think with what we do, it's more focused on the team, but within the team about a player's story that contributes to the team. There's a difference. No, I agree. But that's part of the charm about high school hockey is it, it you grow up and you play with the kids that you've been playing with. Now it has kind of evolved in the last twenty years, from what I remember back in the day. But you're going to you're going to play a game against another community with your community brothers, so to speak. And yeah. I think that that makes it so much unique. Where you look at the U of M, obviously the you know majority of them are the Minnesota kids now. Some have been brought in, but in the high school side of it, it's a community. It's people that are familiar with each other. They've gone through the ranks together. That have had successes and failures. That build the character of who they are, and then they get put into the, the golfer situation where they have to become a team. They're already a team when they start the season. It's just a question of who is going to have a greater chance for success. But that's part of the charm and the, uh, the allure you know, to the high school re- game. It's really easy to take a bucket load of talent and say you're a team, but you're not. It's a lot harder to take players and build them into a team. And if you can get a group that cares more about the guy next to themselves and so forth and so on, you have yourself a fighting chance to be a team. Teams win championships, not individuals. And that's, you know, when the going gets tough, individuals get tough within the team framework, and then the team gets stronger, but the individuals don't get tough as individuals. Correct. So that's what I love about the high school Mm -hmm. hockey. Uh, I like the stories. Everybody, this is interesting, everybody wants to know who the top ten is who you and I like, <laughs> like it matters. It I does, mean, apparently, holy. because you're it's, American yeah, Family I mean, Top like, Ten. That's like, got a little bit of controversy. That thing got explosive. <laughs> I liked it. Um, it's just a preseason one. I, I mean, you're just throwing but you darts can tell, at the wall. you can tell the emotion. But you know. it gets more play. Than, I, I had done those for a long time, sure. and I backed off because I was just being respectful. I'm still being respectful, but I'm just going to do it myself right. because people seem to like it. What I mean by that is everybody had anointed Tonka as a surefire champion because they're so deep and so loaded. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they didn't know was that they're going to run into a juggernaut known as the Holy Family Catholic Fire at Braemar Arena that one Saturday afternoon in late what February. What a great game that which was. Which was, was it was very tense. It just goes to show there are no guarantees in high school hockey. Not at all. And even though people want to try to say, "Well, this team won," that's it. It doesn't matter. What matters is today, not yesterday. Well, and, and you look at some of the teams. I mean, Minnetonka graduated probably the best uh, defensive duo and, and really the best goaltender in recent history. I mean, every team goes through those transformations and stuff. But if you if you try to pick out the top three, four, or five uh, as far as who is a legitimate chance to, to win the state tournament, I think it might be five, six, or seven teams I this year. It's wide open. I can't say those two are better than uh, Crowley and the Flower. No, no, I'm not saying of all time, but yeah, I'm saying yeah, of no, recent, but that's why memory. I said recent memory. Absolutely. 
Uh, that was a tip of the cap for Jags. Absolutely. Well, don't forget Danny Treble, too. I mean, he was pretty was good he back Crowley? then. Was he with I don't think he was. He but might have been. They had a pretty I dynamic I I mean, let's say Corey Treble, Peterson. Yeah, Treble, Crowley, Peterson, and the flower. That's pretty impressive. Remember Brian LaFleur? Mm-hmm. His, his name popped up. He's in the Maple Grove program now. Is he? Yeah, he's, I'm doing a tournament. Boy, and that's a he team. Sends, he sends me an email. He goes, Wags, is this you? I'm like, that's me. So it was, it was too good. Then we started uh, going down the Dusty Anderson Road. And oh, absolutely. All of it, man. It's so good. It's Randy just classic. And oh, see him all the time? Yep. yep. Uh, so. I, I always kind of think back as, as far as that's where I kind of cut my teeth because if there's one thing for a, for an analyst or a color guy, as it states, uh, is when when one team's up eight or nine to nothing, it's tough to find things to uh, points of interest. Well, try to so. play by play. <laughs> well, at least you know what's going on know, out there. The I'm trying to make is, up with like talking you're, points. You're, you're sitting there. It's, tough. To like, it's brutal because one team's got the puck, the other team gets it, they can't get it. Oh, God, it's But tough. how many players were on that team that were just so notable they, that went on for success? If I remember correctly, their matchups against Elk River mm-hmm. and Park Center. When, yeah, Park uh, Center St- was very good. Back remember then. when the uh, Pirates, absolutely. Yeah, Stefano was coaching yep, there? Absolutely. Uh, they were good. The, the, so those two teams would come in, it would be a problem. And Osseo. Osseo, trying Remember Osseo? Yeah. Man, those were the days. The Lake Red. The <laughs> that Lake was before Red. Maple Grove and Andover the, the started Lake, plucking the players. The Lake Red. <laughs> <laughs> wow, how about Andover getting all sorts of controversy in my top ten? Uh, well, I just think Andover is a I team. I mean, they're that, number three. Easy. Absolutely. Well, I mean, they might have graduated a goaltender and some high-end talent, but they have a lot of returning uh, talent coming back as well, and they have a good, solid defensive core, so goaltending might not be a huge issue. There's a new number one in girls' hockey coming up this week, and I'm not going to tell you who. It's likely Andover. Why? Why'd you do that? Because. Why? Not always going to go on. <laughs> I'm not going to get the impressions for American Oh, I fans. said likely. Yeah. Oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> likely. Oh, yeah. Hey, a little asterisk next to that. Thanks right. there, buddy. I said it in a whisper. Well, we're going to have another podcast. Each week we're going to be doing this. So uh, I love the vibe here at the McCoy's Public House. Were you okay with it? <laughs> yeah, it's only 17 stoplights for me and about a three-minute walk for you. But, Down yeah, I'm okay with it. I can even take an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going back up to your uh, place is the challenge Well, I'm going to take you. the elevator. So <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> there. Come yeah, on. way to burn a calorie. Yeah, for sure. Let's check in now with Sean Goldsworthy and Goldie's podcast. We're going to wrap up the show with him. It's been a great show, Bart. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me. Welcome to Goldie's Podcast, our first of many for the 2019-2020 season. Today's show is presented by GeminiAthletic.com. Check them out because at Gemini, quality wins. You can get your custom hockey jerseys. They'll design and supply your team with almost anything. They can choose the material and style that fits for your squad. You'll look like a pro. You'll have championship pedigrees. And don't forget, Gemini Athletic Wear is made in the USA. Check them out at GeminiAthletic.com. The leaves are falling. The The trees are amazing out there. And Sean Goldsworthy is working feverishly here in his office at the Pagel Activity Center as we once again bring you another season's worth of Goldie's podcasts. And there's plenty to talk about, and we're excited to bring you on, Sean. And uh, how was your summer? Thanks for joining us. Well, Wags, it's uh, obviously hockey time. MEA breaks over, and uh, the, is, the weather's turning, it? and uh, most of the youth teams have gone through the tryouts, so it's 
It's about time for high school hockey. Well, you know, me and our guy, my, me and our guy Gus John Barger, yeah. put together that uh, Bantam Double A outdoor festival at the uh, St. Louis Park Rec Center. Yeah. It was 60 degrees. The ice held. We couldn't believe it. It was amazing. And then it, you looked around. You said, okay, yeah, yeah, it's time. And so, I mean, you're just a couple of weeks from getting out on the ice, and you obviously did some stuff over the summer. But, I mean, does it feel like a long time since, uh, what is it, July 31st, last time you can really work with these kids? Yeah, you know, you, you, you put a lot of time and energy into June and July, and then there's another break. And I, I guess, you know, part of the beauty of – Minnesota hockey is that it's broken up and segmented so we can kind of piece it together but uh, you certainly want to unify the kids and get them underneath you know one development model that's kind of the plan but it is healthy for the kids to have different changes and then there's some natural built-in rest periods too so uh, are we anxious yeah the girls get started Monday yeah uh, so you can feel the pulse around the on the building a little bit there and then our guys are getting anxious I think the fall stuff whether it be AAA or the Elite League, is is getting a little stale at this point. So it's time to kind of move on to our home communities. And I can't wait to get back and get started. So you had a team last year that was as deep and talented as we've seen around these parts of uh, Minnesota high school hockey in many years. If you know, I mean, they got to be, in my opinion, from what I saw, among the tops. You know, I mean, it was an incredible group. Uh, you've got a group coming in that have played with them, and I mean, how many seniors did you have? Like ten, eleven. 12? Yeah, last year we had 12, so it's yeah. a big class, and we, we kind of anticipate that going forward for a little bit here. You know, we feel like we have a lot of depth, and we feel like we have a lot of nice players. So, uh, obviously, the last two years we've been blessed with some really high-end skill and talent, and we were really dynamic. Um, but different group, you know, and, and it's healthy to have a different group. I think uh, people are overlooking us a little bit, which I think is a good thing for us. Our kids are kind of waiting for their opportunity for it to be their season. And uh, we certainly have enough good players coming through the system and juniors and seniors to make us very competitive. We had a very definitive leadership group that you could tell off of last year's team. Some of the underclassmen were were part of that in their own right, too. I'm thinking of a couple. Um, As far as that perspective end of it, how do you feel about the leadership of this group? Well, they're finding their own identity. There's no question about that when you've had some kids that have been in the program for two or three years playing varsity that many years in a row they've kind of had to sit back and let those guys kind of take the reins but uh you know i feel very confident in our senior class uh, they seem united um there are a bunch of kids that i think have kind of been overlooked um they're highly skilled uh they work well together and uh, i think they're hungry to kind of make their own mark you know they've been kind of sitting around a little bit and kind of been a complimentary piece for our success the last two years and now it's kind of their time to to kind of you know go after it and i think that's really fun it's it's neat to see those kids develop and to establish themselves as a leader that's part of the process and uh we'll see i think it's gonna be another strong senior class and our junior class behind them is is really big and deep too so i expect us to be uh you know right there when it matters you know i think to the years of like the uh fabled fab five from edina we heard about them as sophomores juniors and seniors uh they they never won a state championship but lo and behold the team right after them did and uh it seemed like they had a whole uh experience there and in finding that identity you don't have a lot of time to find it uh but yeah. once you do uh groups like this have the opportunity to do some special things do you think that could fit into this group i'm not asking you to predict a state championship sure. but do they have the potential to do some special things well i think you know, in, in sports, specifically high school, and the younger you get, even in college, it, you know, you kind of got to be there and lose once mm-hmm. so you can figure it out. Yeah. And there, there's such a high turnover rate at this level 
uh, guys move in, move out, and they're you know junior, senior, and they're out and they're off to college. So um, you kind of have to figure it out, and and that probably happens quite more often than not. So I think our experience last year was great. We knew we were good. We had a really good year. I, I'm not going to take anything away from those kids. Did it not finish the way we wanted? Ob- obviously, you know, injuries you can't predict, and uh, you're playing really good teams. I mean, they're all capable of winning on any given night, and that's what's fun about the old March Madness and this, you know, high school it's hockey one tournament. Game. It's one game. You got to win six game sevens in a row, and uh, and you're dealing with younger kids that are emotional and they're you know kind of under the moment. So, uh, but I really think this group learned a lot from last year. I think they learned how to live in the moment and kind of go through the process. Um, I like the fact that our our junior class that are predominantly going to be seniors this year kind of had to sit back and see the whole thing unfold and and kind of take notes, mental notes on how they're going to you know project out their season. And that's what we want them to do. This is their team, and it's going to have a different identity. Uh, but we like it. Uh, these kids are very much dependent on each other. Um, I think we're going to be a lot more unified as a, as a bigger group. We're going to be a little bit more physical, um, and we're not going to rely on maybe one or two players to kind of carry the water. Yeah, so so you can work to your depth, which is always a benefit with, with all of the talent you have. And we're going to go into that depth play a little bit. And I heard the rumblings of this at the end of the year last year, and uh, we spoke here before we jumped on for this pod. And uh, you're doing something I don't think's ever been done in high school hockey, and that's assembling a, a, a second, if you will, quote-unquote, JV team. Um, can you kind of give us the structure and the genesis of how that all came together? Well, we're really blessed with some volume and, and, and really good players. And after two years, you know, we were um, going through the selection process and, and making cuts. And, you know, every year we were getting on to six, seven, maybe eight kids that we thought uh, were, were good enough to play high school hockey a year or two from, uh, from the point of the, the selection. And, uh, but they're too old to play Bantams. So you run into a really difficult uh, decision is what do you do for that one gap year? And, uh, we as a staff decided to, to request to the high school league, a, you know, a second set of games through like a JV2 and play like a Class A level. And uh, we're able to assemble some games and put that together. So our group's going to all practice together, but then we'll play in, in different groups. And that's going to require a little bit more staffing, a little more creativity on our end to be able to coach the kids up. But we feel like it's worth it. And these kids, uh, we think they matter. Uh, we really believe that there's always about four or five freshmen every year in our high school that are too old to play Bantams and but they're also probably not good enough to be able to jump into a double a late conference scenario yeah so we want to be able to provide those kids an opportunity to grow and develop and and then see where they turn out a lot of those kids either have to physically develop or mentally develop or both and uh, we feel like we have the right situation the right network uh, enough ice time enough resources to provide for those kids and we look at our school and almost every other sport's got 120 kids playing the sport, uh, whether it be soccer or baseball or you know f- certainly football and, and baseball. So um, they're holding B squads and 10th grade teams, and we're not. Yeah. <clears throat> and yet that's one of our greatest strengths. So um, we feel confident in it. We, we are going to give it a shot. Uh, certainly there's probably going to be some bumps in the road, but we're going to iron them out. We think it's the right thing to do, and we have full um, backing from our high school. So now these kids will have the ability to, uh, you said, fluid with the roster. So they can rotate between rosters. And they could hit all three of the rosters, conceivably. Not that they would, but conceivably, correct? 
Well, I think by by law you, you probably could, but I don't see see that being an issue. Um, by reality, you know, yeah. In reality, you know, you're only fluid with a couple, a handful of kids on yeah. each end of it. So, uh, but we really believe at the JV level, one of the more disappointing things we saw in the last two years, or frustrating, and from talking to other coaches at the high school level is rolling four lines and six defensemen on JV hockey is very difficult. Uh, the ice time on game day is, is already limited due to the number of games compared to Bantams and junior gold. And we just want to give these guys more ice time and more opportunity to develop. So, you know, the ability to roll three lines and probably be five defensemen and one goalie on each JV team certainly adheres to the development model better than, than four and, and six. So in terms of your schedule this year, you've got uh, some some great games on it uh, that uh, Tom Streeter sent over to me. I'm glad I, I printed this <laughs> off, uh, printed this off. I say that with a wink and a nod. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> um, but you know, you open up right out of the shoot with Rosemont, which is a nice hockey club, and you know they had some guys boot and take off. But the reality is, is that they're getting deep and getting better and better. Oh, Ricky does a great job. I've known Ricky forever. Uh, coached against him when he was playing at Bethel and got to know him over the years when I lived on the South Metro. And Ricky's a hockey guy, and he's going to do it the right way. And they got some really high-end players. Uh, I anticipate Rosemont being there right there at the end. Uh, they got a good depth. Those kids are ready to take it to the next level. I think that's certainly a community that's kind of figuring it out uh, from what I can gather. And uh, and they're hungry. So, right, yeah, right out of the shoot, uh, we're, we're jumping right into it with one of the top, I think, top ten teams in the state for sure. And I'm not going to rip through all these games, but your next two games at the start of the, of the season, for me, are just so special. The IRA Civic Center, you know, when you see the snowmobiles pulling up as the cars, <laughs> if you will, and they've got the seat numbers, and everybody has a tempo and rhythm to how they approach the games as fans, and it's it feels like a college atmosphere in there. Oh, yeah, it's it's one it's of those cool. communities that's that's hockey to the core. I mean, I was up there last spring with my daughter for the uh, U-12 state tournament. We were up there for three and a half days and um, stayed there in one of the nice hotels. And we were at the rink every night. And I, it was a lot of fun. And it, that's a great hockey community. So I remember reaching out to Coach Marinucci. We owed him a game because they, they played down here last year. And that we're definitely coming up. Our kids need to experience that. And then from that conversation... Uh, you know, Grant Clafton figured out that we were going to be right next door. So uh, we certainly want to help out That's Greenway. That's really cool. Yeah, we want to help out Greenway. Uh, Grant's doing just an outstanding job. They've brought hockey back to the range. Uh, that is something that is part of Minnesota to the core. Watching uh, their success last spring was outstanding. So much fun to root for. And they're doing it the right way. So any way we can help out and get up there and, and really play two pretty high-end games right out of the shoot and, and kind of remove ourselves from our own home, that's good team unity. A trip early like that can really bring your team together and create an identity that uh, maybe might take a little bit. Oh, what's cool about those types of games, both of those arenas, no matter how good or bad teams are, you know, it, from the perspective of there's a level of, um, you know, the game seems to get faster when you're in those types of environments a little bit. It doesn't mean that th- that your opponent will always keep up that pace, but there's just a different vibe to it, which I think is really good for young kids to bring that stuff together and kind of work through some bumps here and there, and you know, try and finish strong with those games. Well, last year we went through it. You know, we went up last year when we were undefeated and went up to Hermantown and had a very similar experience where the the town kind of shut down and came in to watch what was a number one team Skippers look like and, house, and yep. we uh we ended up tying and had a overtime game with them and that was just a fun environment and i'm a big believer of 
um, trying to stress our guys out. And part of the stress is preparation. Part of the stress is playing in front of a, a very tight crowd, maybe not a large crowd, but a very tight crowd. And uh, understanding that you have to perform under different circumstances and different stresses. So uh, I thought our kids handled everything great last year, you know, with Dream State and with everything else. And that had really nothing to do with how our season ended. It had more to do with just the experience. But our guys had good focus. And uh, I think part of high school hockey is going through the entire gamut. And and, uh, playing Edina is fun. Playing Wyzetta and Eden Prairie is great in our conference. And then getting outside and playing Moorhead and then going up to Greenway and you know, and, and seeing Grand Rapids, obviously, and then playing your top private schools and having a great Christmas tournament, that is part of what makes high school hockey special. And if we don't make it important, then who's going to? Did you ever get that? Was there any place that you went in the Mayak that felt like what you just explained? Well, the Mayak is different. You know, it's a, it's a more of an experience. The Division Three is, is really good hockey. If you look nationally at the Division Three level, it's, well, it's some of the best hockey going. But it's really hard to create that campus environment. Most of the schools play off campus. Yeah. Uh, there's not necessarily that. And then, obviously, on a Friday or Saturday night, you know, you can swing a dead cat and hit a Division One game, too, you know, yeah. with the Gophers and Duluth or high school games. Game. And, yeah, the Wild and... So it's just hard to create that environment, that similar environment. And uh, I would say the difference is it's not community-based. Correct. And high school hockey still is community-based. And that's what's great about our whole situation in Minnesota. It's why we love it, and it's why it has such importance to what we do, not only in hockey in Minnesota, but in the United States. So you read my mind. That's exactly why I went down the road with that question, the community-based model, which is so great. And then the other component is, what, 94, 95, 96% of those kids won't play beyond that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're able to experience in many levels what D3 and in some instances, not a lot, uh, D1, better situation. I mean, it's it's really a great thing. A couple of quick questions for you. Uh, St. Michael, Alberville, Buffalo, uh, now in the late conference. By the way, I got to see the St. Mike uh, – Bantam double eighteen, they look really good. So yeah. they're coming, uh, and and they'll be interesting. You know, forget about the travel and all that. Is it nice to bring in um, uh, some variety? I guess I would say, or uh, was it nice to be kind of packed and tight with your rivalries that you already had set with the lake? Well, I think you can look at it both ways. I mean, we were fortunate; we're not really struggling to find games. Um, but we want to find the right games, and I, I'm a big believer in trying to play as many different schools as possible. But adding Buffalo and, and St. Michael to the Lake Conference is a good move. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I think both those communities are ripe. They're ready to do it. You know, 20 years ago when Mike McMillan got that thing going in Buffalo and built the rink and started developing yeah, like, all that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was the vision and that's uh, the idea. And then now you got Aaron Johnson with his, you know, Bruce and his, his brothers taking over and they're ready to go. They got good players. They're, they were ready to compete in the Lake Conference last year, in my opinion. And St. Michael's going to be in the same boat. So those those guys are there. Jared Johnson and his brother Jason do an awesome job. Uh, coached both those guys when I was at St. John's with John wow. Harrington. So I know all these guys really well. I think it's the right thing to do. I think these kids uh, are going to experience a new rivalry. I think it's really going to help out um, some high-end competition for Section 8. You're going to see um, the, the January and February gauntlet of the late conference really prime up Buffalo and St. Michael to get ready for the run and you know, when I first got back, I wasn't really aware of it until I started talking to Pat O'Leary. He's like, you know, Goldie, the late conference run in January or February will either expose you or get you ready. Yeah. It's going to do one or the other. And I think uh, the last decade has probably shown that 
when the Lake Conference sharpens each other up, by the end of the year, somebody's ready to go make a run for the title. We'll see if you can do that again this year. Thanks for your time. Great. This is probably our best pod yet. I it's think, a pretty I think darn good start. I, I like it. I, you and I have a good relationship. There's no doubt about it. And I, But I'm just so happy to be a part of Minnesota high school hockey. I think it's awesome. It's such a great time of the year. And I do quite a bit of traveling with USA Hockey, so I'm speaking in different areas. And that's the number one thing they talk about. What's the culture like and why is this so special? And it just gets back to the high school experience. Uh, your breath of fresh air. We'll uh, check in soon. Okay, take care. Thank you. One more thing to add to our program today. Forgot to uh, mention this as well. Huge game played out at the MNHockey.tv from Braemar Arena this past Thursday night. Top two teams in the state featuring the Andover Huskies and the Dino Hornets squared off in a memorable opening game. Huge crowd at Braemar Arena. Huge viewership on the MNHockey.tv. Thank you to all of those that checked it out. Uh, it was Andover's Gabby Krause who scored the lone goal late in the first period that held up in a one to nothing thriller in favor of the Andover Huskies. We had a chance to catch up with head coach Melissa Volk after the game. Let's hear her post-game comments right here on the Overtime Hockey Podcast. That was uh, quite a physical game for game one. Can you talk about how your kids responded to that? Yeah, I think it was a great um, girls hockey game for mm-hmm. any fan of the state to see. Um, we got a lot of really elite players out there, and it's always fun when the girls get into and get physical. Uh, really good first period. You guys had a great forecheck. Your angles were really good. Uh, the Dinah seemed kind of confused. Uh, but then they found a way in the third period. What, what happened there? What, do you think it was some of the power play stuff? Or what, what caused, uh, do you think, some of their momentum and energy? Yeah, I don't know. First game of the season, I mean, I didn't expect it to be perfect. Like, And it definitely wasn't that third period. is pretty exhausting, to be honest, playing on our own end the whole time. So I'm, I'm just proud they were able to, to gut it out for the win. Uh, Kaiser was awesome. Uh, Offensively, defensively, all all which, three which zones. Uh, the defend the defender. Okay. She was yeah. terrific. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about her in transition and defensively yeah. as well. Oh, yeah, she is a very elite defender out there. What makes her so great is she's very very physical, um, but she can move the puck up and she's very good offensive as a, as a defenseman too. She really sees the lanes out there and hits them hard. In terms of game one, you know, it's usually people kind of want to just sort of get the ball rolling and yeah. you have two top teams going at it here. Is it kind of nice, though, to just see, okay, we're going to throw it out here against each other and see where you're at and just uh, grow from there? Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's maybe a little bit of a less pressure situation for the kids, too. It's like, hey, first game, get some amped up even more for the season. Um, you know, hopefully they can... We get that excited about every game. <laughs> Can you talk uh, finally on this group? So far, it's early, obviously, but you know these girls, and uh, they're a pretty special group. They've been good for a long time. And w- what do they have that's unique and special that the average person wouldn't really see? Um, they compete. I mean, that's the biggest uh, difference that I see them. I've seen with this group of kids versus other groups of kids that I've had. You know, other groups that maybe got a few kids that compete. Well, this group competes, and they're also great teammates. Um, they know their roles on the team. You know, they're willing to sit um, if it makes the team good. So we're going to have the full family of podcasts ripping here. All of them will be updated on the site. Be sure to check us out, mnhockey.tv. Follow us on Twitter, at mnhockeytv. We're taking over the world here, buddy. It's just awesome, Bart Archer. Uh, happy to be a part of it. Happy to have you. Great show presented by American Family Insurance. And, of course, don't forget Tradition Companies. You can check Tradition Companies out at traditionco.com. If you need to have your house uh, uh, refied, you need a new mortgage, you're getting a new house, Tradition Homes by Tradition or Robert Thomas Homes, how about the Capital Bank? You want to do a little wealth management? I'm doing some work with the wealth management side of things right now. Brad Johnson and his team are terrific. And don't forget with American Family Insurance, 
and with the right support, any dream is possible, and there's no better insurance than that. You can find an agent and get a quote at AmFam.com. For Bart Archer, I'm Pete Wagner. So long, everybody. <laughs>